second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. We're going to have another trade with Houston coming back up to number three, it looks like, to trade up to the Arizona spot. Houston's going to move in to number three. Third pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Will Anderson Jr., Welcome to another episode of the Turn Up From Up podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British House. It was a draft to be remembered, it won't be forgotten, and it's going to define the direction of this franchise for the third year on the trot to talk the draft through is Mr. Jordan Punt, Texans slash Jordan Hayden. I'm doing great, great as always that I get to talk ball with you. Excited man, thank you for having me back as always, love it. Excited man, this is the best draft in three years and we get to talk about it, let's do it. Yeah, I think so, man. It's um, was that trade, and we're going to all the picks and stuff um, one by one. Certainly, the top five, anyway. Was that trade the moment that it all changed? It really was. It's kind of a franchise-altering decision and kind of like timestamp in this rebuild, right? If you if it hits, bam, you've got your face of the franchise on offense. You got your face of the franchise on defense. And you're kind of set up for the future. You know, you've nailed the two most important positions on the field, the quarterback and the guy who goes to rush the quarterback. And if it doesn't succeed, well, then you've lost your top, your first round pick for the next year. And it's going to be harder to rebuild. Nick Casera is probably out of here. So it's definitely, you know, the big moment that will either make the Texans succeed in the rebuild or fail, in my opinion. And I think it'll succeed. I'm pretty optimistic about it. Are you? Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll come on to like both both guys individually, but just talking generally in terms of the trade, I think yeah. it, it's a lot to give up um, in a vacuum for a defensive end. Obviously, you couldn't take the defensive end first because then if, you yeah. know, if you're Monty Austin for in Arizona, you're going, well, you've, uh, give me an extra second. At that point, they've got you. So um, there's less premium. So when you think of the total package, for if you consider the fact that it, it secured you the two players, it potentially prevented Tennessee from trading up. That was the big kind of uh, other factor. Uh, also, for obviously leaving Tennessee to go um, and take up the role in Arizona, then you think, well, maybe, maybe historical relationships, experiences played a role there. I think it's a lot to give up in in the context of where we are in the position of the rebuild ideally you would have done this next year uh, if you felt like it gave you missing pieces that would make you competitive i think to do it now in the absence of missing out that top pick next year which is our pick not cleveland's to miss out the top of the second which was always like you know the sweet spot in terms of value it's quite a lot, and I think, I suppose, you could have taken um, the alternative, I suppose, Jordan, and Will Anderson's play will dictate. But the alternative was you take a, a Van Ness, a McDonald, and the second, and next year's first, and are you better off at that position with those three guys? You know, will the, will the impact of Will Anderson be bigger than, you know, one of those two alternatives if you had to go ahead rusher? Uh, or you could have gone wide receiver. We'll come on to that later. Um, or those two other guys. And I think that's how you kind of got to weigh it up. And I suppose we'll not know for a while. But I think when you look at an isolation, if you looked at a depth chart and you said it's these three options, whoever they might have been, we'll never know now, versus this one, 
you're banking on a lot of health, a lot of you know goodwill, a lot of form, all to go your way on one rather than three. And that's where I think when it comes to spreading the risk in a team that needs to build, you need more pieces to build in theory. So therefore, it counteracts our arc in the, in the, in the rebuild. But like it, it, I suppose it, if he kicks the doors in day one, um, then no deal of our care, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, and I agree with a lot of your points. I think the one thing I'll push back on and play devil's advocate is that there's not a Will Anderson in the next year's class, right? We The main piece that we gave up that I think hurts us the most, to your point about team building, is the first round pick next year. Could potentially be top five, could be to potentially top 10. And we look at next year's draft class and everyone loves it already. There's Drake May, there's uh, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers, right? But and that's kind of like the top of the class but there is no will anderson jr you know the top edge rusher in that class doesn't come close to will anderson and what he's produced in two years at alabama and so when you think about it like that the texans could be looking at themselves and think hey like yeah we love next year's draft class but the strength is at quarterback and we already got our guy with cj stroud so we're not gonna be missing out too much there and the strength isn't at edge rusher whereas it is here this year with will anderson so we can go get our guy now we can have more immediate results and I do think part of it was potentially Nick Casario being like, hey, like, it is year three now. Like, I do kind of need to start to turn this ship around. Like, I need to get another premium piece in this year. Um, and so he went out and go got, go get Will Anderson. We all saw the video of how excited he was when he hugged Will Anderson. He loves that guy. Well, did you not think there was a distinct change in tone and reaction to when they talked about CJ Stroud? You know, he said he has a lot of qualities we like to beaming, glowing, singing the praises, however you want to phrase it, of Will Anderson. So I, I, it almost seemed like if all things were equal, they would have taken Will Anderson and CJ Stroud was a necessity to give the team an identity, a watchability factor that they know they have to have. Therefore, it was a necessary, you know, it's like shopping at Walmart, right? You, you, you've got to eat, so you might not want to go there, but, you know, you've got to go. So they, was it was it one of those things where they just... They, they did it because they had to rather than if they had if every choice was available in in an ideal world they didn't do it I just thought it was a huge change in tone between the two uh, when they were talking albeit welcome and albeit complimentary but not to the same extent anywhere close to how they talked about Anderson yeah I think there's multiple parts to that I think the first part is that Nick, Nick Asario and Amico Ryans they probably did have Will Anderson Jr. higher on their board than CJ Stroud. So if they did only have that one first round pick, they probably would have went Will Anderson apart from the pressure from ownership. And what we know that the McNairs can kind of force some decisions here and there. So I feel like that quarterback pick was a little bit influenced by ownership. So that's the first thing that can kind of explain, you know, the difference in, uh, you know, the tone when they were talking about those prospects. I think the second thing is, is purely that like, you know, D'Amico and Nick, they are defensive guys. They, they like defensive players more. And then the third thing is potentially like, you know, this, they just might've connected better with Will Anderson on a personal level during their visit. And that's just like, has nothing to do with how they are as players and what they think of them as players, but just, they just might've bonded better on their visits. Will Anderson said like, he loved his visit in Houston. He, he envisioned that was the place that he wanted to be. He talked really highly about Nick Casario. So I think that's, that maybe is like the last um, piece of that puzzle. I suppose you now when you, when you've watched them, <clears throat> because ultimately Will Anderson will do what he does. And you'll, you know, if he can win you games, turn the ball over the right time, do all the things a great defensive end can do. He's solved against the running club. I think everybody knows it's, you know, it's, it's all been done to death. The top two guys, there's no point going into too much detail, but I suppose the big question of the two is, was the talent 
and the the offensive line, the protection, the separation um, of his receiving targets, um, did that play a big part in the accuracy um, of it? Now, I think if you look at, I can't remember the game now, where it's blowing a gale and he still keeps going, and Stroud still keeps going for it. There was another game, uh, and I heard them talking about this on another show yesterday, about how the, the, the DBs on the other side playing against Ohio State almost knew the routes at times if they were stealing calls or what have you. They, they, they thought it was it was it was almost perfect, and then even within those conditions, the windy game within that game where it looked like they had their number, he still found ways to throw them open. So I think when you look at some of the detailed parts of his game or the nuanced parts, where the way he lays throws out, the way he throws it into space, the way he understands coverage and the way he understands the route development to marry those two in his head in a split three or four seconds, I think potentially can translate that accuracy. But I suppose it's all it's almost lazy. But I think the question is. Will he be another Buckeye quarterback at the next level? What separates him from all those other guys that have failed, George, do you think? I think he's a far superior college prospect to guys like Dwayne Haskins, Cardell Jones, you know, the the failed Ohio State quarterbacks that we think about. Justin Fields, jury's still out on him. I, I like him, but we'll see. Um, I think CJ Stroud, number one, from like a fundamentals standpoint, is far and away like fundamentals mechanics standpoint far away better than guys like cardell jones dwayne haskins in terms of his footwork his mechanics and how that's number one spawns his accuracy right he throws a beautiful football whether it's he needs to put touch on it whether he needs to put velocity on it he has the fundamentals to do whatever he needs to do there so that's one aspect of it and the other aspect like you said is the mental aspect the feel of the game he feels more like a natural you know pocket passer he understands progressions he understands timing anticipation how to read defenses and a lot of these other past ohio state quarterbacks they wouldn't it was completely different offensive schemes that they were put into it was a lot more you know one read if it's not there you tuck it and run but for the most part that first read was there because they had such a big talent differential from these wide receivers versus cornerbacks and so those previous ohio state quarterbacks got to get away with you know, not being able to read defenses as well, not being able to make it through their progressions because they didn't have to do that in college. You get the NFL, you got to do that every damn play. You deal with pressure every other play. And so CJ Stroud, we've seen a lot more out of him. He's been asked to do a lot more in this Shane Day offense in Ohio State. It's a different era of Ohio State. And we also saw the Georgia game. We saw what happens when he is under pressure by these NFL talents. And he overcame it. He overcame losing his top weapons. Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't there. He went out early that game. Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't play. And so he was down to his wide receiver three, wide receiver four type of guys. And so he didn't have that talent advantage, and he still balled out. And they should have won that game. They got him in the field goal position late in the game, missed the kick. What can you do about it? So I think there's a lot to say about CJ Stroud being a far superior prospect than guys in the past at Ohio State. In a word, does does the fact he's a Muggleetta client bother you? No. Not at all. Not a big deal. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I think he's objective enough to not do it. But I just think if it if things start turning to shit in three years' time and these picks don't work out, I wouldn't put it past them to to channel an exit. But let's hope that it goes the complete opposite way. I think that's the thing. Now, I think potentially one of the things that um, obviously precluding them from picking at the top of the second for a wide receiver and a centre, I think that was the obvious to. Um, picks that they needed to make but with the the Texas next two picks uh, coming in at the 62nd overall the Texans yeah, went and made the selection Houston Texans are making moves the Philadelphia Eagles have traded the 62nd pick to the Houston Texans 
And with the 62nd pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Juice Scruggs, center, Penn State. Go yeah, Texans. We've seen a so with that Juice I think the tape is mixed. I think it was certainly higher than other people. Obviously, guys had Luke Weipler, who was his, uh, was 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 CJ's. Um, I keep keep keep. Uh, I can't get it in my head that his name is Bernard. Um, Corinne Bernard. I want to call him the Nard Dog out of, uh, out of the office. But anyway, um, the um, Scruggs' pick. Uh, it was a couple. There was a run on those interior guys. Uh, I on the broadcast. Ironically, I thought. Daniel Jeremiah said, I think he's better than power rather than zone, <laughs> which is the opposite of what we need. Uh, yeah. I saw then John Harris, um, and I know like, these guys are on TV for a long time, there's going to be stuff they're going to say is completely just pops in the head and they're, they're, uh, there's a hell of a lot to remember, so not a criticism there, DJ. But is this guy a fit in your eyes? I've just watched a couple of kind of game snaps, clip, clip through the clips, and it's all right, but I'd probably didn't warrant that pick for me what do you think jordan yeah i think it's a it's a bit of a reach especially because they didn't trade up and use some extra picks to go get their guy um he was consensus like on this consensus board by pro football network he was rated 175th overall um and we got him at 60 seconds so that's a that's a big jump there in my opinion he was the next best center on the board because john michael schmitz and joe Tittman were gone um, and so, yeah, I was between him and Whipler, and I kind of liked Scruggs hate better than Whipler. I really didn't like Whipler. Maybe I just watched the wrong games, but I didn't like what I saw out of him. Um, Scruggs, the tape isn't perfect. It's not in the same tier as Tittman and JMS. Um, and I think he's the type of guy that's year one, like good backup, kind of a eh, starter. By year two, year three, he'll be maybe a decent to solid starter, but it's not someone that's going to be you're never going to be like worried about him and you're never going to think about like not replacing him. Like you can still upgrade at the position down the road, in my opinion. So I'm kind of with you on that as a bit of a reach for the positional need. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to their overall philosophy on the draft class that they really needed to uh, support CJ Stroud. You know, they drafted two other interior offensive linemen and two wide receivers. So it's four other offensive picks on, uh, you know, some key position and needs there to help CJ Stroud. So I think that's what their mindset was there. Did the Jarrett Patterson pick at 201 uh, give any kind of, considering you just trade for Shaq Mason, considering you just drafted Kenyon Green 15th overall last year, did that potentially signify a little bit of doubt that when they were picking there, they were picking because they felt it was the best at a position that they didn't have anyone at and actually some of the tape when you look at I know I think when you hear both guys Scruggs and Patterson speak they sound like ready-made pros but a guy coming out of Notre Dame might not necessarily be better than the Penn State but they're certainly similar profiles but picked at two almost opposite ends of the order um, but from watching again limited into this and I plan to get into more in the coming weeks it doesn't seem a huge amount between the two yeah, I think that's a fair fair thing to say. Like, if you were to try and like tier the the interior offensive linemen, the centers, right? Tier one would be John Michael Schmitz and, and Tittman. Tier two is probably like they're probably even isn't isn't even a tier two. It probably skips to tier three. And you got guys like Scruggs and, and Whipler and and Patterson. Like they're maybe in that tier three, tier four type of range. So it's good and bad with that. There's good that you got 
a similar type player at a far lower uh, draft capital. Um, but I do agree that he's kind of the same idea of Scruggs that, you know, oh, we love his positional versatility. He can be a really good backup, a spot starter. He's intelligent, the good old smart, tough, reliable. Um, and so I like the pick. I don't think it's an indictment on Kenyon Green. I think it's more of a statement on how they feel about the depth of their interior offensive line at, at all three positions, especially at center, and then also getting a guy for the future in Jack Mason. Because he's 29 years old. He's getting on the wrong side of 30, and, and you know you never know how his play could drop off there. So I don't think it's a, no, as much of an indictment on, on Green, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I think that was a position they had to do, so they, they addressed it twice. Um, but then with the next pick at 69th overall, uh, the Texas made the next selection. With the 69th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver out of Houston. Nathaniel Dell tanked his friends. Um, he weighs the same as probably a kid in high school, but he can fly. What do you think he's going to bring to this offense? How do you get a player like that with light build but electric speed? How do you how do you work him in to this offense? Yeah, he's, he's 5'8", 165 pounds at the combine, which is probably at least like five pounds heavier than his, his playing weight. Um, so historically, there's not a good track record of success of guys at his size. We think even recent years, like guys like Tutu Atwell, D. Eskridge, like these super dynamic athletes, but they're, they're tiny. Um, I think the difference with Tank Dell is number one, he's a lot more productive in college. Number two, he's a really good uh, special teams guy. So really elite punt return, kick return guy. So I think that's number one, how he's going to get on the field. Um, and obviously there's not a lot of like wear and tear there. So there's less injury risk. Um, and then number two, I think he'll rotate in with John Mechie at the slot position. Um, I don't think he's got the size to play outside whatsoever, but he's the type of kind of, you know, gadget wide receiver makes it seem like he is less than he is but i think of it as a positive in the sense that you know you can use him in the slot you can get him the ball on screens you can motion him across the formation and get him the ball in jet sweeps kind of like handoffs and kind of just manufacture touches for him like that um and just get the ball in his hands and let him get to work we know in the shanahan offense they really prioritize getting guys in space and let them get to work with the yak and that's what he's going to excel at so i think that's kind of how we're gonna we're gonna get use of him yeah, because I think if you come out there, you know he's not blocking, and I think it'll be a bit of a yeah. tell. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to find ways to just motion and uh, keep him, keep him moving, keep him in space, and uh, give him some uh, routes that he can run out the sideline, run and taking a hit across the middle of the field. I think would be <laughs> would be the ideal. Now they also, as you said, as you just referenced there, they, they did go back to the well um, at the two hundred and fifth pick for Zavi and Hutchison of Iowa State um, on paper. Um, huge production. Um, not fast, but but quick. Um, got a bit of a drops issue. Um, he dropped a game-winning touchdown. I think it was against Baylor this year or, or Texas. I can't remember. I watched the Texas game, Baylor game, uh, back earlier. And he's one of these guys. I think he's good at everything. He's he's not elite at anything, but he could be kind of kind of a sort of similar to John Mechie in the sense that they won't wow you with anything they do, they can just be consistent pros and I suppose if you have a cast of them then you potentially have a reliable uh, number of targets for Stroud to go after and keep the chains moving. What did you think of the, the Hutchison pick? I loved it. I thought it was great value. I'd give it an A+. Plus. You know, he was 120th overall on Pro Football Network's consensus board. We got him at 205. 
Um, I gave him a third round grade. He's one of the few guys I watched this year, like really in depth, really wrote up. And so I gave him a player comp of Tyler Boyd and like a really poor man's Amon Ross St. Brown, because he's a guy that, like you said, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have one really elite standout skill, but he's really well-rounded. He can play outside, he can play in the slot. Um, just do kind of whatever you want from him. Um, and he's also the type of guy who's going to win, you know, a short area of the field, intermediate area of the field, little crossing routes, little curls, little screens. He's not going to be a burner. He's not going to be a deep threat for you guy for your team. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting kind of strategy that they've kind of employed so far. All the wide receivers that we've added, there are more guys that win underneath and they're not really burners. There's not one who is on this roster at the moment that can really stretch the field like a Will Fuller type. Um, so they might run into some struggles with that in terms of getting explosive plays. Uh, throughout the season, but I think at the value, like you couldn't get much of a better player there. So I like to pick a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's. Um, I, I suppose it begs the question of when you give up these picks, the wide receiver spot. Is there is there enough there to support a young QB? You know, looking it might be Dalton Schultz is the number one target in terms of in terms of receptions this year or even targets for that matter um, just in the way in which they scheme up the you know the easy passing lanes for him uh, for Stroud but I think it's, it's it's weird in the sense that we're talking about an array of new and exciting players um, yeah. based on where we've been but I suppose when I look at that wide receiver dev chart it's not good enough to be competitive um, certainly not now and I think I suppose it puts a huge amount of pressure on Nico Collins if he can step up and be what he's flashed over 17 games then yeah but I think that'd be unrealistic and unfair to ex expect that one from a health standpoint and two from a consistency viewpoint and that's kind of what we're relying on um, as you're probably you know your most seasoned receiver because ultimately uh, Noah Brown and um, what's the other guy they signed from Tennessee that was at the Rams Robert Woods Robert Woods Robert yeah. Woods yeah guys predominantly blockers to help with the run game can do a bit here and there so I think that there is that is a concern and I think you could have drafted even somebody in the top round if he stayed at 12 and it still would have been a concern so I don't know how they get around it uh, when they're going to have to simplify the playbook um, and they're going to have to simplify the uh, the level of which that they that they run the plays and the, and the complexity of the scheme Jordan so it's a concern I suppose yeah, especially with a rookie offensive coordinator. Like as much as we love the Shanahan tree and, and all the concepts that the Shanahan offense comes with, uh, Bobby Slowick's very unproven. We we really don't know if he's going to be a positive or a negative for CJ Stroud. Uh, the one thing I'll say to kind of make people feel better, um, especially about like Nico Collins and guys like that, is just going from a, a pure talent upgrade from Davis Mills to CJ Stroud. It it'll be significant. It'll be significant. We'll feel that with how our wide receivers perform because you know there was a lot of reps in last year's film the year before where guys like nico collins are very wide open and he's beating good talented cornerbacks and he just doesn't get the ball or he gets overthrown or for whatever the reason they're not able to get it to him and so i think the the town upgrade going from davis mills to cj stroud um it'll help our entire wide receiver room and yeah there's no clear wide receiver one this year hopefully it's marvin harrison jr next year but for now, we just have kind of a room full of like wide receiver twos and threes, and it probably caps the ceiling on our passing offense. Um, so we're going to have to make up for it with our running game becoming more efficient and uh, David Pierce being the guy to make that happen. Absolutely, and I think really the the, the only pick really that we can hope for uh, was the guy that they picked, or two defensive players they picked. With the 109 pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, 
the Houston Texans select Dylan Horton, defensive end from Texas Christian University. Go Texans! Los, Los Angeles Rams have traded a 167 pick to the Houston Texans with the 167 pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The Houston Texans select Henry Toto, linebacker Alabama. Yeah, firstly, uh, Dylan Horton from TCU, and I don't know what position he'll play, Jordan. And then, of course, the guy we spent a lot of time talking about uh, in the bye week last season, not last season, but the season prior, uh, Henry Toto. So I think you've got two guys there who could be rotational players at worst coming in at 109 and uh, was it 167? So I think it was pretty, pretty good to have those guys there. But I suppose my question for both of them is why were they still there? Uh, Dylan Horton, I honestly, I thought that was a reach. If I were to grade that pick, I would give it like a C. I think there were a lot better players on the board. Like there was the Aditamiwa Adeboware guy out of uh, Northwestern that the Colts took like a pick later. Um, if you're looking for more defensive linemen like him. And I'll get to Toto second. I'll do Horton first. Um, in terms of like where he's going to play, he's kind of a tweener, right? He's kind of like Charles Omenuhu. You know, he's not big enough. Uh, to be a full-time defensive tackle and, and, you know, take on double teams and whatnot. But he's also not, like, super athletic enough to be on the edge and, and rush around tackles. So I think he's a sub-package guy. He's going to be coming in on passing downs. He's got a high motor. You know, he's just constantly pursuing the ball. Um, and I believe he had 10 sacks in his last season at TCU, and four of them came against Michigan. So hopefully you can tap into that one game and, and see, you know, what went right there and, and try and elevate more of that's good stuff right there but i would expect year one not to really make too much of an impact year two year three you can get into you know a, a solid reliable designated pass rusher on some packages and then to o to o why was he there 2022 film clearly was not as good as the 2021 film um the entire alabama defense and honestly team in general struggled a lot so i don't know how much of that was on henry himself i need to go back and watch more uh personally but I love the 2021 stuff, man. We talked about it last time. And I don't know. I saw a guy who was very instinctual, who kind of was able to read plays really quickly and, and get to the ball first. So I like the pick there. Pair him a backup with Christian Harris. The chemistry is already there from day one. I would not be surprised if he's starting late in his rookie season, at least in year two. I think you should take over the job um, from whoever has it this year. Kirksey, Perriman, uh, Corey Littleton. I, don't, I think all those guys are just kind of like below average starters. So I wouldn't be surprised if Toto takes it in last couple of games work year, year two type of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I just didn't envisage Kirksey making it to the to the season. I think we've, we're having to certainly account for 105 million for all this, uh, for all these rookie deals. I saw that today. So it'll be interesting to see if he does make it because, you know, you and I have talked multiple times and many other people noticed that he's not good enough for this level and I doubt Pennyman or Littleton will be either. So I was hoping we would maybe go a little bit higher, but giving up those picks at the top end impacts that. Uh, very quickly, in a very short answer for you, does is uh, or Validi from uh, I'm going to try the first name from Arizona State, the running back undrafted free agent, uh, got some wheels, looks like a scheme fit. Does he potentially shock and make the roster, or even get game time above guys like uh, Singletary or something like that? Um, you know, I I really like him a lot, and I want to be optimistic about him because yeah, perfect scheme fit. He's got some juice to him, young legs. He was very productive in college. Um, but just looking at the running back position, 
with Pierce, obviously, he's going to make the roster. Singletary is going to make the roster. And you guys got, they just signed Mike Boone this year. They had their Dare Ogumbawale from last year, and they also signed Garrett Dokes. Um, so Boone and Ogumbawale are kind of like your key special teamers. And for Valaday to, Valaday, Zaladay, I don't remember. For him, for X, for X to be able to make the roster, he's going to have to, number one, be a good runner. But also a very a better special teams player than Boone and Ogumbawale. And as a rookie, I just don't really see that happening. So I think he's gonna be a, a practice squad guy, one of the guys that will protect every once in a while. He'll get some call-ups here and there, but I don't think he'll make the initial 53. And I'm assuming that I'm gonna be a little annoyed about that. That's when it comes time to it. No, that's it. And I think Ali Gay, uh Gambian national, um, potentially, is a guy who's just never stayed healthy. Spoke to a guy from LSU that came on with us last year and said that he just needs to stay healthy. Originally, after his first season in LSU, second or third round pick, but injuries curtailed that. So who knows? Let's see. And another Canadian national, uh, Jared Wayne, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh. So something to root for uh, there, Jordan. But um, it's a a whistle-stop tour this week. Any final thoughts before we head out here, Jordan? Final thoughts is that I'm glad the draft is done. I'm glad we finally know who we have and we're done with all the media rumors. I think we put together a an improved team over this entire offseason through free agency and through the draft. And so I'm feeling optimistic about it. You know, the direction of this team is looking more positive than it ever has. I'm excited to see what D'Amico Ryans can do with these new uh these new prospects in his first year as a head coach. I'm ready for football season to be here, man. It's gonna be a long wait. It will take yeah. time. Um, but it will come around quicker than you think, but at least there is something to look forward to. The maturation of a young quarterback, it makes these games worth watching. It's something we couldn't have said in the last few years, but thanks to Jordan for his time this week. Thanks for listening. All the best for the coronation this weekend. Thank you very much, uh, everybody. I'm glad you got there. We got there together. Um, And here's to a season that's actually about football, but thanks again for listening to the Turn of Football Podcast.